If you've been traveling the way with Jesus this summer at church, you know that he's been dishing out some really difficult teachings. Five weeks ago, he reminded us, in case we forgot, that he did not come to bring unity to this world, but division, even amongst our closest relationships. And just in case we wanted that not to be true, two weeks later in the lectionary, two chapters later in the text, he said it again in a different way, saying that we needed to hate our brother and our mother and our children if we were to truly follow him. And then today, he comes after our relationship with money. He does this by telling, as he often does, a short story. Today, the story of a rich man who had a manager who took care of his wealth, but somehow squandered it. We're not sure how. The rest of the story details the problem solving of that manager, how he's gonna get out of this tricky situation, which in the end he decides to lessen some debts, and in the end he's praised by the master for this clever, albeit dishonest action. Now if Jesus had stopped talking then, We'd be like, okay, that's a little bit confusing, but maybe we too are to be praised and to imitate that dishonest manager who, though he maybe didn't tell all the truth, was clever in how he did it. But Jesus wasn't done yet because he kept talking, and then what happened next seems to contradict what we were just taught that no, no, we shouldn't imitate him because those who are dishonest in a little are dishonest in much. And then it all ends with the, as I thought of it this week, the mic drop moment of that 13th verse of this chapter, where he says, no slave can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. And then as we listen to it, our interest in the particularities of that preceding parable start to fade a little bit as the impact of that last verse hangs in the air. You can't serve God and money. You have to make a choice. I wrestled with this parable this week, but continued to go back to that last verse in the story, that last challenge of Jesus about our relationship to him and our relationship to money. And as I thought of it and tried to make sense of it, I realized that we do something with this idea that we do all over the place in our society, which we, we come up with extremes that we pit against one another. We have these examples of extreme service to God. Those people who somehow have been called by God to give up their families and their possessions, and they become monks and nuns. And many of us live in an awe and somewhat confusion about that. And then on the other pole, we have those extreme examples of service to wealth, of which there are so many, of billionaires who, like the prophet Amos, chastised today, trample on the needy. 
But in reality, most of us and most of the people with whom we share in community in this country are somewhere in the middle of those two poles. I'm gonna make an assumption that you who have gathered here on a Sunday morning want to serve God because something made you get out of bed and come here. And also, most of us have grown up in a society and a culture that has been built on the religion of love of money. And so we have that deeply embedded in us, the importance of stewarding our resources often, though, serving money rather than God. And in reality, for those of us who live in this middle, it's often a really muddy dance that we do. It's something that's made little decision by little decision. And I began to wonder, as I have heard you all wonder to me through the years, Who gets to decide when we're really serving God and our actions versus when we might be serving wealth? It's not so clear to know what God's will is for us as we exist in that middle space. So as the week went on, I began to realize that a tidy resolution was not going to arrive by Sunday morning. And at some point in the week after we had shared in our first lectionary, renewed lectionary Bible study, I began to just sit at the feet of biblical scholars who literally since Jesus' time have been like, I don't know about this parable. Because it's true that it feels contradictory and tangentially related to itself. And that's because it actually probably was a selection, three different sermons of Jesus that the gospel writer Luke wove into one. So if it feels like we just heard three different sermons in that gospel passage, it's because we probably did. But more than that, as the week went on, I began to submit to the mystery of God versus wealth. See, I can easily imagine what it looks like to serve wealth. I know because that, in many ways, is our norm. Where I found myself stuck in a way that actually surprised me was in the question of service to God. Is service to God lifting up our prayers, like we heard Timothy encouraged to do in that letter? Is it praying every day in all sorts of ways for others, giving thanks? Is it that simple? Or is serving God coming to church and joining a community and going to a ministry fair and signing up to do things? Is that service to God as Jesus meant it? Where I struggle is that even those things that begin as service to God along the way, through the messiness of our humanity, becomes service to something else. And where I found myself was in a place of humble confusion. A deep unknowing, one might say a peace that passes understanding, began to come over me. And I wondered then if that's actually where Jesus was leading his disciples as they made their long journey to the cross, where he's leading us 
difficult teaching after difficult teaching, breaking down our need for control and our need for clarity, reminding the disciples and reminding us how little we actually understand about what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe after the summer of difficult teaching, this is where Jesus meant us to be. And in the end, what it looked like for me was a place of admission. I have no idea. I don't know how to interpret the scripture. Do we ever really know what we're doing when we open those holy books? And I don't know how to solve this issue of serving God in a capitalist society that serves wealth. And as I came to this place, I recognized the great cloud that surrounds us in it. We're not lone sojourners on this journey to the cross and to the resurrection. And this was made known through the beauty of Christian community when twice over the past few weeks, a certain prayer was brought back to my memory. This prayer that comes from somebody who is an example of extreme service to God, the monk Thomas Merton, who many of you may know as a spiritual teacher and monk. And he offered a prayer, sometimes called the Merton Prayer or the Prayer of Unknowing. And I want to read it to you in conclusion this morning, hoping that it offers you the shelter it offered me this week. Shelter as we let ourselves be confounded and challenged by Jesus' teaching, not trying to rationalize it or even make sense of it, but allowing the disruption and the mystery to come over us. Let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't see the road ahead of me, I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.